and welcome to Cruisin' for a Reviewsin', the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Peter. Hi, Cara. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. Thank you for joining me, Peter. And thank you for helping me do a film that I have been dreading since I decided to do this podcast. Uh, I feel like you're yeah. the best person for it, but we're here and I can already tell we have a lot to say about this movie. Yeah, well, it's one of the reasons why, um, there's two reasons. One, like I have seen so many Tom Cruise movies, so finding one that I hadn't seen was really, really, really hard. But also just like, I'd never seen this film before, but I knew its reputation. So I saw it on the list and I was like, it's like, oh god. And I figured I'd like take one for the team almost. It's sort of like, yeah. okay, that, that's, that's going to be a rough one. So like, you know, see how that goes. Well, so because the, the audience will be like, what is it? What is the movie? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, 2008's Tropic Thunder. So it is one of two very non-Tom Cruise-y films. Tom Cruise has only been two films where he's not in it much. The other one is Austin Powers, which... I am going to review at some point. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Yeah, this one is a Tom Cruise movie that's unlike any other where he is not the main character and he is not playing a Tom Cruise character. Or in fact, he's playing a gross, rotten character who... Yeah, I was Tom Cruise is uh, like... I was thinking he he rarely does comedy and he rarely does unlikable characters. So I figure I feel like this is almost like the rarest Cruise in that it's both. Yeah, definitely one of the rarest versions of Tom Cruise we will probably ever see. And mm. it was done in a very specific way, like it's for a very specific reason, I should say, because he was trying to make up for society's perception of him had faltered for the worse, and people were like, you know, he's humorless, he takes himself too seriously, he's a big Scientologist, this, that, and the other, and and this was something he did to counter a lot of the criticism, which definitely worked for him. I, I did wonder, because I was watching this film and I was trying to work out where this fell on the Tom Cruise timeline. Because mm. it's it is it's a very odd choice for him. And I was like, D- is this like some ways towards like rehabilitating his image? Mm. Just Apparently, sort of, like, yeah. In, in kind of a weird way too, because I mean, he's a, he's an utterly unlikable character in this. But yeah, because it's so different to what people expect of Tom Cruise. Like, I think people were like, oh, what a breath of fresh air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, so this was... This was like right around like the Katie Holmes and uh, the interviews and that kind of thing. This was yes. around then. Okay, that makes so much sense. Yeah, mm. cool. This is a weird one because this is not a Tom Cruise movie. He's only in it. I mean, he when he's in it, he's super in it, but oh, he's, he's not in it a lot. So it's one of those weird ones where like that's the thing. Normally, I go blow by blow and talk about everything that happens in the movie. Considering this is a Tom Cruise reviews podcast, that doesn't seem quite right. I think mm. we're just going to make it up as we go along. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. We'll just see how we go because so much happens and like to talk about what the Tom Cruise bits, if we haven't talked about what's happened in the movie, the context is gone. And... Yeah, they require context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's what I was going to say earlier is because I knew kind of this film's reputation and sort of what it was about, I, I was like, is it possible to go into one of these Tom Cruise podcasts and just like almost not discuss the film? <laughs> like, like that was my backup plan. Like I was like, oh, I've got plenty of stuff to talk about with Tom Cruise, but not necessary as it turns out. I guess... What I'm saying is that I didn't dislike this film as much as I was expecting to, or actually at all. That's great. I love when your expectations are so low. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, I, I was braced for this to be, like, absolutely awful at worst, and, like, cringy at best. And, like, as mm. it was going on, I was kind of finding it to be neither. Yeah, it's one of those ones. Well, we'll, we'll go through it, and then at the end yeah. we'll sum up our feelings, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, 
yeah, this is going to be slightly different podcast than normal, uh, but hey, it's still a movie reviews podcast, so we're going to do it. Uh, so the director is Ben Stiller, and yes. he's the main character. Uh, he is playing like kind of a on the verge of being a has been like action actor, and his name is Tug Speedman. Like the names in these are so ridiculous. I'm like, come on, like I can't suspend my disbelief that much. No one is called Tug Speedman. Like, and I couldn't work out what action hero he was actually. Was he just like an amalgamation of a bunch of them? I don't know. Because one of the other characters is Robert Downey Jr., who plays Kirk Lazarus, who's an Australian method actor. And I thought it was really weird when I read like the trivia. It's like, oh, it's a combination of Russell Crowe and these other actors. And like, not Heath Ledger, the famously method actor. Oh, see, I I, I read him as like a pure Daniel Day-Lewis piss take. Yeah, but also Australian. I I think that was just Ledger. Well, there we go. That's I. I naturally assumed that was that. But then, yeah, I think it was like Daniel Day-Lewis and Russell Crowe and someone else was like the inspiration for that character. Okay. Yeah, he's a super method, which plays a very big part in this movie, which we'll discuss soon. Just quick, oh, this this cast is so stacked. Like, I'm, I've written a list of all the actors and there's so many people. It really is. Like, that's how, that's how I, it's, I can see why a lot of people still enjoy it because it is a very good, funny cast. Except it's all men. I think there's like mm. one assistant oh. who's a woman. Is there? Like, Grossman's secretary is a woman. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like she's in it for two That's seconds. That's the only one I can th- I can think of. Like no one on the film set or anything. It's wild. Uh, so mm. yeah, st- a lot of problems. We uh, get straight off the bat. Uh, other main players are Jack Black plays a character called Jeff Portnoy. Brandon T. Jackson is Al Pacino. He's the one black character in this movie. Actually, black character. And they give him like a white actor's name as his rap name, which I'm like, oh come I love on. The idea that someone has no idea about this film and wondering sort of what do you mean by actually black character (laughs) (laughs) you'll see you'll see I feel feel like most people know about that but maybe they don't there's Steve Coogan's in there as the director of this uh, fake movie Matthew McConaughey is the agent to Tug Speedman Ben Stiller's character known as Pekka or Rick Peck who's wonderful in this I I love McConaughey. Does he can do no wrong to me? Bill Hader's in there. Uh, Nick Nolte is a grizzled war- Vietnam War vet with no hands Four, called Four Leaf. Leaf. Yep. Yes. So they're the, they're the main ones. Uh, Tom Cruise's character, his name is Les Grossman. Uh, we'll get to him soon. He doesn't come in until a little bit later in the movie. So it opens you with did its miss own one trailers. Of the main cast there. <laughs> Oh, what, who did I miss? Oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, no, we covered... No, that's okay. okay. Oh, no, no, there is. There's, there's, there's another guy, but it's the normal guy. Which one? It, it, the, the, the normal one. Like, he's the only actor who's... He's oh, like the only sensible... Kid. Oh, I didn't write that. Because the IMDB listing has nothing in order. It's so fucking scattered. And I was trying to work out who was important. Okay, yeah, so... Yeah, but he's he's probably like... I, I don't know, like, I recognise his name, but I couldn't pick him from anything. So I was just like, uh oh, probably seen him in something. I feel bad because that's the whole plot point is forgetting his name. Sorry, it's um Jay Baruchel. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. So Ke- he's plays Kevin. Okay, Kevin. That, yeah, we just fell into that <laughs> hole. <laughs> fell right into like, the trap. Yeah, they're the main characters. There's the cast is absolutely stacked, and it's going to get confusing. So hopefully, we'll, we'll remember to keep reminding you who's who. So mm. the, the movie starts with its own trailers, which I actually thought was kind of fun to sort of set up who the characters are. Like, there's Brandon T. Jackson's character Al Pacino is like a rapper who's trying to become an actor. Two of the trailers are Booty Sweat, his energy drink, and Buster Nut, which is like an energy bar, which is it. And watching it, I was like, oh, this would have been in 2008. This would have been like full on because it's like girls twerking. And now I'm like, nowadays we're like, nice. 
nice. That's just half of the course. There's a bunch of stuff like this where it's sort of like at the time it was like, oh, I guess this was like really over the top. But nowadays it's just like, yeah. <laughs> just a regular day watching TV. So they had like a bunch of film trailers like Scorcher 6 Global Meltdown, which is Tug Speedman's uh, new action movie. And they look like, I love action movies, but even I'm like, oh, they look shit. They look so shit. Yeah. The Fatties 2, which is Jack Black's character doing like a Chris Farley slash uh, Eddie Murphy kind of like he plays every character and all they do is fart yeah, the whole time. Like a clumps. Yeah. Like clumps kind of pastiche. And then Satan's Alley, which is Robert Downey Jr. Kirk Lazarus being like a monk and having an illicit gay affair with Toby Maguire, which I've watched that movie. <laughs> just... Yeah, no, I liked as well because during that trailer, they've got like Toby Maguire, like winner of like, was it 2002 MTV Awards Best Kiss, which he actually yeah. did get. That's like <laughs> a real thing. It's just like, yeah. oh, that's a cute little callback. And this movie is full of those. Um, yeah. Because yeah, basically this whole movie is about taking the piss a little bit out of the film industry and all of the players within it. Just whether or not they did a good job is what we'll discuss later. Ah. Basically, the setup of this is that they're filming a story of a bunch of Vietnam war vets who, you know, something, I can't remember what happened, but something massive happened and, like, Four Leaf was the guy who got his hands blown off trying to save his platoon and all very dramatic and, yeah, worthy of a big movie. And they talk about how all of the, they all wrote books and only one of them got published, and now this one's getting into being made into a movie. The director is Steve Coogan, who is playing Damien Cockburn. He has to deal with a bunch of prima donna actors who all just aren't working together. So Tug Speedman and Kirk Lazarus, so Robert Downey Jr. and Ben Stiller, are just clashing really badly because Kirk Lazarus, I guess we'll get into this now, he has gone full method actor. So he auditioned for a role that should have been a black character and got it. So now he went and turned himself into a black man. So he's basically he doing had a, blackface. a controversial uh, skin dyeing procedure. He like guess looks like a black man. It's one of the things like they don't play it as a good thing. No. Like in the film it's like especially since there's obviously like most of his interactions are with Al Pacino. Mm. The the actual black man. It's like even when they try and do sort of like any kind of like awareness or sensitivity on his part it's still like no but you still this is still fucking stupid and you shouldn't be doing it. Mm. Which is yeah which is why they thought it was okay to do because they're like well we're making fun of people like of method actors and yeah. you know obviously blackface is wrong but mm. the amount of Boy, people I've it. argued with on Facebook <laughs> who are like what's wrong with it I don't understand you know sometimes when you're already at the top of the top of the tier and you're trying to punch up like doesn't quite work no 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 <laughs> so <laughs> there's a big scene where Tug Speedman's meant to cry and Kirk Lazarus is doing all the crying and blubbering and which pisses Tug off and they cut but they're about to have like this big spectacular like pyrotechnic scene which they're ruining and it gets set off anyway. Danny McBride's character is the pyrotechnics expert who's playing just Danny McBride and I love yeah. Danny McBride being Danny McBride. I'm normally not a big Danny McBride fan, but I really liked him in this. It was, I don't know, because he normally does the um, improv comedies, doesn't he? He does, like, uh, oh, I think of all the things I love him in is, like, Land of the Lost and which is playing essentially the same sort of character uh, mm. and he does, like, the Righteous Gemstones and Vice Principles and seen. stuff. He's just, like, a fucking dirtbag. Yes. All the time. And yeah, you either love him or hate him. Yeah. I found him like a very likable.
likable dirtbag in this? Yeah. The pyrotechnist gets set off and the director is absolutely fed up, as you would be, because, you know, Tug Speedman just won't do the, do the thing properly. It, it would be fucking infuriating. So there's like an Access Hollywood News update about it and about how, you know, he can't control his celebrity stars and they talk about all the characters. So they actually introduce all the characters for us, which oh, we just did before. And that's how yeah, the audience knows who which one is and like goes into, you know, Kirk Lazarus was in all these movies. He's, a, he's an Australian actor and he is a deeply method actor five-time Academy Award winner as well. Yes, that's right. Versus yeah. like, yeah, Tug Speedman's like just in really schlocky action movies. Yes. So he's not as, as serious an actor. So he's been, they talk about how he tried to be a serious actor and, oh, oh <laughs> if you thought if you thought blackface wasn't cringe enough, how about Simple Jack where he plays a very simple, mentally, physically disabled character and just, yeah. Which they're making fun of, but, oh. It's again, it's that whole thing like they are not just on the surface, but also you can see the intent is to make fun of Hollywood. Like it's one of the conversations between Lazarus and Tug about the Simple Jack role is awful. It Mm. is an awful conversation, but like the core of it is pointing out like the issues with like Hollywood kind of like trying to chase after the Academy's like attentions and and that sort of thing. And with like, yeah, with these sorts of characters. Yeah, Simple Jack was, it's one of those things where like, again, I didn't really know that much about the movie and I knew of the Simple Jack concept, but I thought it was basically like, it was a thing that he did and then the sort of like the discussion about like how he shouldn't have done the role and that sort of thing and I figured it was a setup for that and that was that was the joke and that was it mm. like that was going to be all that we we're going to see of Simple Jack throughout <laughs> the rest of the movie oh how wrong you were uh, so <laughs> my growing uh. horror as I realised that it was going to become a huge focal point for the rest of the film like oh no 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 and the fact like the blackface I don't think is actually the worst part of this movie mm-hmm. I think the Simple Jack stuff is Which the worst is horrible when you say the Which black faces like, are the oh, worst no. part of this movie <laughs> Oh, shit. Oh, no. So we meet, we meet Rick Peck, which is McConaughey, Tug's agent, who's just like, you've got to act hard as possible. And he seems like he's petrified of losing this client. And his office is like full of all the merchandise because obviously he's, he's, it's his star client. Like the simple jack mm. thing with him like hammering, like the moving cu- the, cardboard, the cardboard cutout. cutout that's constantly going in the background, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he also finds out that he hasn't got TiVo set up at the hotel, which is part of his contract, which is a very big bone of contention for him. There's then a emergency meeting so because everything fucked up really badly with that last scene the crew have to meet with the studio head Les Grossman which is Tom Cruise to basically find out what's going on and why this film is costing so much so the Access Hollywood thing was like it's only five days into shooting and they're already a month behind Uh, so in the meeting uh, Les Grossman gets like a key grip to punch the director right in the face (laughs) because obviously that's the kind of power he wields he's just there absolutely goes off at him and oh I was going to write it all out I was going to write out some of our Tom Cruise's, like, Les Grossman's insults and things. Because he swears in every line. Like, every single yeah. line. Which is shocking. Because, like, Tom Cruise swears mm. in his movies. But, like, the way he swears and, like, which apparently was based off a real producer. Like, it was a couple of producers. But well, there's one in particular who was very not famous for being very, very foul-mouthed. His name I've forgotten and he died this last year. So he seemed like a jerk. So, oh, okay. anyway. One of his last things is, like, if you don't do this, I'm going to put my... F- 
fist so hard, far up your shithole, you'll be, and I'm like, oh, that's too many gross words from Tom Cruise. I don't like this. Four Leaf, the actual Four Leaf who wrote the book that this movie's being based on is, is there as like referencing him for stuff they're shooting. He interrupts to be like, we need to toughen them up. We need to, you know, make them understand what it was like. And Les tells him like, thank you very much for your service. Shut the fuck up. If you don't get on track, I'm shutting it down. So Four Leaf later convinces the director Cockburn to be like, we have to do something. You have to do something really dramatic to toughen them up because they're all just being, you know, wusses who, you know, prima donnas basically. So they'd come up with a plan to just now make the film more guerrilla style. So they've set up cameras throughout the jungle and all the actors have to go on is a little book and the script and everything and just act it out and they'll be all shot guerrilla style and the director will be sort of hovering around. I think he's not going to be there, like he's leaving him alone. No, I um, know. he is meant to be there. The idea was that he was going to be filming them on like a handy cam. Oh yeah, that's that. right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's got a camera for like intimate close-up detail shots. Okay, yeah. Yes. You're right. So yeah, they, they helicoptered out like for a few hours out into this like really dense jungle, which I'm like, how they get the cameras? Like who went out and put the cameras there? And like, anyway, lots of things well, not, I mean, meant think, but also not meant to think about. The, it was Danny McBride's also rigged up the entire area with explosives. So yeah. they were meant to come out there before anyway. But. I, oh yeah, that's true. So it, yes, okay, that makes sense. Cockburn is this big speech about how they're going to shoot him and like, we're going to make you, you know, really get into the feel of it. And it's all, you know, it's all very dramatic. And then he immediately turns around and steps in a landmine explodes which is actually uh, hilarious <laughs> it's an amazing scene it's one of those ones where like it happened and i was just frozen and like a noise didn't leave my mouth until like a minute afterwards <laughs> like still trying to process everything that happened because it, the the timing of it's great because he is like for the first time in the film really confident and really excited and it is like perfect because the landmine effect he just vanishes yeah <laughs> he, it, it is it is phenomenal and probably one of the best scenes in the film like it was so shocking that yeah that no one really knew what to do and Tugs Beeman's like it's obviously fake he's like trying to get us into the moment blah 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 and they're like mm, there's guts everywhere and like he picks up the severed head and like licks it it's like it's just blood flavoured corn syrup it's fine and warm blood flavoured yeah. corn syrup it immediately followed by one of my least favourite scenes of him because he starts like scooping bits of his head out through the neck and he's like we're not fooled we're not fooled and I'm just like oh god no oh, no Oh, Lord. <laughs> so Tug managed to convince them all that it was all part of the plan. But Kirk Lazarus is kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. I think this is... He picks yeah. up straight away yeah, that things aren't right. Because, as it turns out, where they're shooting is right by where there is like... I couldn't think of a better word for it, but like a drug cartel kind of thing. Yes. You don't know if they're Vietnamese or from Myanmar. No, well, they said they, yeah, they said Myanmar or Laosian. Because they yeah. said that they, they've flown so far other than no longer in Vietnam. Yeah, kind of so... Like on the border. They're being watched by them because of, you know, Americans in American military gear wandering around would attract attention at the best of times. Oh yeah, so Cody, the pyrotechnics guy, and Four Leaf are further away, but they're watching to watch for the cues to blow stuff up when they need to. So Tug is like leading the shoot now. He's got his notes and everything and he won't let anyone else look at the notes or the map or anything. He's taking full control and mm. Tug like, mocks Kirk for not like for not believing that it was a trick to make them act better. And then, oh yeah, he also tells him like, well, if you don't think this is a thing anymore why are you still in character and he's like is this where he says like the line where he's like i don't get out of character until the dvd commentary is done yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
when Cody and Fourleaf can't get hold of Cockburn for the next, what do you call it, the next blowing up bit, the pyrotechnics bit, they just do it themselves. But meanwhile, the drug cartel guys have opened fire on the film guys. And yeah, so they think it's all part of the film set and they're shooting it. They've only got blanks. They haven't got real guns. And the only reason why they aren't killed is because when Cody blows up the thing he's meant to blow up, it actually kills the drug cartel guys. So yeah, that's, as far as they're concerned, it's all set up and it's all work going exactly to Cockburn's plan, which it's yeah. not. No. Now, this is the part, so we'll tread lightly, delicately here. This is the part where they're walking along and Tug and Kirk have a conversation together about acting and everything. Yeah. And they start talking about Simple Jack and how he flopped really badly and Tug doesn't understand why he was trying really hard. And he was talking about basically he tried method, method acting and that he didn't know if he was, he started losing himself in the character and everything. Kirk's like, okay, I'm going to say this word once just for the quote, but it's like, never go full retard. And he was explaining that in movies like Rain Man, you know, it was an autistic character. It wasn't, he was justifying all the different ones and how, but there's a reason why Sean Penn's I Am Sam never got any Academy Awards because he went full R word. And yeah, there's a whole conversation about that. And they say that word so many times. So like many it's, times. It, it's just, they're, they're both saying it constantly and it's it's quite an uncomfortable watch. They're both, I mean, what Kirk is explaining is basically like the Academy has got a very narrow band of like neurodivergence that it wants to see represented in film that it's at, mm. like actively seeking out, which is weird in of itself, but like straight up won't accept anything over that. Yes. And that's what Simple Jack kind of cartwheeled over that. Really yeah. Badly. <laughs> and it's also this, I mean, essentially like the, the sort of the, the heart of this film as it goes on is kind of the play between Kirk and Tug because it's like Tug trying to become a better actor and being seen as a better actor and Kirk having no real concept of himself. Yes. Uh, and so it's this thing where it's like Tug is like explaining and almost over-explaining method acting to a method actor. Yes. And like Robert Downey Jr.'s face during that is amazing because you can see the patience and he's, he's like trying to explain it back to him so like yeah but this is you know like I, I know this kind of stuff but like Tug is just so dense that none of it's getting through he's just like yeah yeah like I'm, I'm, I'm the big shot here but you can tell that he's also very uh, threatened by Kirk constantly which is also why he's not letting I mean there's one of the guys Kevin has gone through boot camp and knows like navigation that sort of thing and Tug refuses to let him like read the map or do anything because he's like, no, 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 like, I'm the big shot here, sort of thing. Yeah, and meanwhile, none of them have read the, read the script or read the original book. Or and read only the book. Kevin... I love that. <laughs> like, poor Kevin's the only one who made any effort mm. for this film, and he's watching all these big shot actors who are just like, whatever, I'm too famous. Because they're them. actors. They're, they're yeah. just big actors, and they're all, like, vanished up their own assholes in their own special way, so. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's full on. Like, I remember watching that in 2008 and being like, oh... That's intense, but I like not being very as aware as I am now about how fucked ableist slurs are. Which is, yeah, I think when I was talking to Ben about this, because he came home when I was like towards the end, we had a little chat about it. And it was just at that point, like almost like a turning point after 2008, where we're starting to realize, oh, this is, this isn't good anymore. But it was just on the cusp of that. And so people cling to using those words and you know free speech and all that sort of stuff hold this movie up as like being and then other people who criticize it are wrong it's it's weird but yeah i think it was just in that cusp i feel like yeah it was like right on the end of kind of like the i don't know like the south park generation or like peak south park humor it was like on the very tail end of that and i was finding watching it is that like you can tell because it's not like this has lots of like inappropriate gross out stuff and that sort of thing but it 
nothing in it is done with the same kind of like aggression that a lot of humor was at the same time. Mm. Like it's it sort of, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it's sort of like you can feel that it's towards the tail end of it. Like this is not deep in the thick of that kind of like outrage humor. Yeah. It's it's very much there is there is a like a societal shift going on and this is us getting this in at the end. Yes, but exactly. That's it's it's interesting as well because I don't know, when when did you want to talk about who wrote this? Oh, we can talk about that right now if you like. <laughs> okay, sweet. Okay, so because I did I I, I, did, I did not do much research into this, but I was very curious because like I didn't even before looking to it, I didn't look up like who made this film. So when it came yep. up and it was directed by Ben Stiller, I was like, oh what a surprise. I didn't know if I've seen a film directed by Ben Stiller before. Mm-hmm. And then it was written primarily by Ben Stiller. And also by Justin Theroux. Mm-hmm. Now, I like Justin Theroux. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Ben and I both ha- have the hots for Justin Have Theroux. the hots. <laughs> you know, he's a very, very attractive man. And I've enjoyed him in, like, everything I've seen him in. But I was just like, oh, like, written by Justin Theroux? I don't know if Justin Theroux did any writing. Let's see what else he's written. Have, he's have you seen done this? heaps. Yeah. He hasn't done heaps of writing. But, like, a lot of what he's what? written has been pretty bad. Like, yeah, he, so he's, he's, for someone you would never think who's written anything he's written a bunch of movies and they're all like considering what a what kind of actor he is like yeah. it's not what you would expect yeah what give no. me some examples he he wrote zoolander 2 oh god that's right yeah like oh fuck that he did the sucks so uh, much. this this one's close to your heart he did the screenplay for rock of ages that's right <laughs> I forgot about uh, that too. He, Shit. No, but that's the thing. And he and he did the screenplay for like Iron Man two. Oh. And I'm I'm just getting like a really which is the boring one or the iffy one. I don't know. It's it's a very forgettable one. You got Iron Man one yeah. sort of like I forget. I forget. Where do you like Robert Downey Jr. or no? I know you've got a few actors that you're like nah, not into them. But <laughs> I used to love him when he was younger, and then ah. once he started acting like he's Tony Stark in real life, I went right off him. Right. Yeah. I just yeah, I find him kind of unbearable now. That's so, an interesting interesting one as well like segue within a segue Robert Downey Jr. I feel like at the time he was almost one of the smaller people in this cast because this was kind mm. of this was around about the time of like Wonder Boys he, he wasn't back to being like a big big star and he was also sort of like out of the papers for being a, a troubled youth yeah I wonder if this was like it was this and then, and then Iron Man that kind of brought him back out of well, Iron Man definitely brought him back out. Yeah. Like, yeah, but like, sort of, um, like at the time, it's how Robert Downey Jr. would be like. I, I feel like Robert Downey Jr. would not do this film. Well, uh, he apparently he had hesitations about it because he thought it was going to be offensive yeah. to do blackface. But Ben Stiller yeah. must have convinced him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but no, it's just this weird thing, sort of like Justin Theroux getting back into the previous one. Like he's uh, like a fine actor, seems to do very interesting things, but it's like his writing credits are all like, ugh. like, and it's sort of like between this assisting Ben Stiller on this film and then like Zoolander 2 it's like that's like a huge backslide yeah. as well because he, like Zoolander 2 is pure him he's just wrote the entire story I, I, so I, it's I, sort of <laughs> yeah knowing what he's written puts me off Justin Thor a little bit then I think about Leftovers again and I'm like no 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 I love that man but yeah. oh jeez I actually have completely forgotten what he'd written and now you've reminded me I kind of want to die like Rocket yeah, Ages no, it's like that is, yeah. I hate it but I love it at the same time so I, I'll forgive that I mean it was it was was what well, it was. Was he the guy who was like, yeah, like singing to a butt? This is gonna be great. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, the road, you've done it again. <laughs> So there's a bit where both Tug and Kirk try and like sweet talk Kevin into 
siding with them because Kirk's like, we need to get out of this. This guy has gone crazy um, with power and making a point. And like Tug goes up and calls him the wrong, kills Kevin the wrong name and like tries to convince him the, the, the opposite thing. And yeah, that's where we find out he's the only one who did some boot camp and knows how to read a map properly. So there's a point where they get to a river and they, oh, and also because we haven't really talked about the Jeff character, which is Jack Black's character. We have not talked about Jack Black. I mean, I see why he's not very he's not really important. No, in this he's film. just the little bit of extra comic relief because he's he's basically Chris Farley. He's addicted to cocaine and drugs, and because he's been thrust in the jungle, he only brought like a skittles or. Jelly beans container yeah. of drugs and he drops a bunch of it and then so while a lot of this stuff's happening at one point he's in the background a bat snatches out of his hands and he's like fighting with a bat and then bites into the bat to try and get his drugs back and yeah so that's kind of what Jeff's up to while all this is happening yeah, yeah super not important at all but it is like he's one of the least offensive he's, he's, characters I guess <laughs> yeah and at the same time it's weird because other than like a couple of scenes even though he's like the comedy character he's not one of the funny ones like he's almost the foil like he's sort of like why everything nah like every Everyone's the reason why everything keeps turning to shit, but like he's he's, he's definitely not helping. Very, he's no, and he's so angry the entire time too, which is a weird one as well because he's like he's obviously it's like Chris Farley style character, and they set him up as like a, a troubled comedy actor. But like in this, he doesn't really get a lot of like one liners or stuff. He's he's just like super aggressive the entire time. Again, again feels like a kind of a weird one for Jack Black. It, it's again it's the passage of time. It's the case of like a lot of these people like Jack Black and. Uh, even Ben Stiller now, now sort of synonymous with almost more family friendly roles. So mm. seeing Jack Black like this feels a bit odd these days. Like yes. Jack Black's always kind of the good guy, whereas Jeff Portnoy is probably one of the least good guys yes. in this entire movie of an ensemble cast of not good guys. <laughs> Yeah. Basically, at this point, they split up. So they managed to get the map off of Tug, and that's where Kevin's like, oh, no, we've gone the completely right way, wrong way. In fact, we're heading towards the Golden Triangle, which is where drug cartels manufacture drugs and everything, and we need to keep going go exactly the way we came back to get to the pickup point so we don't die in this jungle. Tug absolutely refuses to accept this and storms off on his own, and the others turn around and go their own way. On As they're turning around going away, this is the first time that Alpa Chino know actually kind of confronts Kirk about the whole blackface thing so it's probably been eating him up inside obviously um he kind of admits that he did this job because he saw that the main black character end up being cast with a white person which is true there are so many movies Mm. even but even for 2008 I feel like it still happened a lot since where white actors and actresses have been cast as characters who should be played by people of color like who's uh what's her name I've forgotten the two white actresses who always Scarlett Johansson Scarlett Johansson yep and the, the one in um, Doctor Strange. Oh, Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton, yeah. Like the Buddhist head monk. And she, yeah, like... but it's that's one of those ones where it's kind of a lateral move because the original comic character was like an offensive Tibetan stereotype. So yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck either Ignore way, that, I guess. Just, here's Tilda Swinton instead. Like, uh. <laughs> So yeah, like that's another thing. We get what point they're making is that yes, it's really gross that they cast a a white man to play a black character and do all this sort of stuff. But I think Kirk is like you know talking about collard greens and like all the food he'd love to make and he use. Yeah. And that's when Alpo gets really pissed off. He's like, "Is that what you think we sound like? Is that like all we talk about is like collard greens?" And it's one of those things that I definitely see what they're doing and I get it, but it's just not quite getting there. Like it's just yeah. 
Because it kind of, they make Alpa kind of seem like the angry black man stereotype where he's just getting angry and frustrated at this, um, I don't know. Yeah, no, 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 no. And you're not wrong. Al, Al Pacino as well, he's, it's one of these things where I feel like his character in this is one of the things that more, that dates it more heavily because it's a case of the sort of the things that they're pointing out as like, oh, issues in Hollywood and issues in the film. They're still incredibly guilty of by making his character so wafer thin. Yeah. Yeah, and like having, having him as like, you know, saying these things that are true and right and being in the right, but then having him ultimately be kind of ignored doesn't really send the right... Not only ignored, but also he's he's also like a massive stereotype of, like, he's the black rapper, like, I don't know, just when the, you're, you're punching, you're trying to punch up and then you're also kind of punching, like, throwing some down, jabs yeah. down as well at the same time. At the same like, time, yeah, doesn't really work. Yeah, so they get to a point where it's nighttime again and they have to camp out. So Tug is camping out now, it's raining and he's attacked by an animal and it turns out to be a panda. And I, this bit needed to be chopped, like, because it was such a paper thin reference because earlier when he was talking to Peck they were talking about oh you know on the back on the back page of um of Vanity Fair there's your your ad you know about saving the panda bears and then he accidentally kills one because he thinks he's being attacked by an animal in the rain and I'm like mm. there's no pandas in that part of the world I'm pretty sure no and the whole scene looks very it's so goofy. shitly done because he then he puts the, the head on like a hat and I'm like it's a stuffed animal what the fuck and 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 then they take it off him like straight away yeah and it never gets referenced again and it's it's a case of like I guess plot wise that's because up until that point Tug's been like I know what's going on I'm in control everything's fine that scene is like the first time Tug starts kind of losing it yeah like and and uh, then obviously Tug's descent into madness kind of becomes a big part of the second half of the film mm. but yeah no I, I think you're right that whole scene could just not be in there no it was just like uh, it, it, it it adds nothing and none of the jokes land and even the conversation he has with Peck is just like ugh. Nah. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, because it's where he ends up calling. So he has a satellite phone. So when they were taken into the jungle, they were told to give up their phones. But Tug kept a satellite phone that was gifted to him by Peck for tenuous reasons. Which he's using to watch Star Trek? That's right. Like, And I don't get that either. It's like, there's... Because that's all part of the same scene too. And I'm like, what's going on? So, yeah, he brings up ringing Peck and just starts ranting it, which is, yeah, he's descent into madness kind of thing. But all that Peck gets out of it is that he still doesn't have TiVo. And he's like, absolutely fucking not. And he also gets a, gets more of the vibe that maybe he's going to be dropped as a client. Um you know, Tug's not going to be his client anymore, so he's obviously panicking. And all he has to latch on into is that like, I'm going to get him TiVo and I'm doing my job as an agent. Yeah, he hangs up the phone and Tug is immediately caught by the cartel who have seen him. And when he's dragged into the compound that the cartel sort of has, he sees security cameras and naturally assumes, oh, this is part of it. Because in the story and script and everything, there is a part where they get taken to a POW camp. Specifically, his character gets taken to the POW yeah. camp and then needs to be rescued. So he's just like, all right, everything's still on board. Yeah. Well, he's fully lost it and doesn't realise what sort of a fucked situation he's in. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, they take off the panda hat straight away. And I'm like, well, that was a great thing while it lasted. Please never do that again. Someone thought it was a great idea. They're like, this is fucking comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves panda at the moment. Let's fuck him up by killing a panda. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, man, cool. imagine if my character killed a panda. Yeah, all right. Put it in. Is, yeah. <laughs> They're all laughing over panda <laughs> in the boardroom. <laughs> Comedy gold. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
All right, so we're now at this point where basically we're at the point where the movie turns into a rescue mission and blah, blah, blah. So we've talked a lot, a lot more than I thought we would. Uh, actually, no, I, I kind of expected this, but I was like, wasn't sure how we're going to go. Like I said, it was this could have gone either way. So Peter, if you're happy, I'm going to cut it here and we're going to do a two-parter this time. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, hopefully the second half will have more Tom Cruise in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not so little. Hey, at least <laughs> we're so going to... We're going to cut out all the Tom Cruise-isms in the second part because there ain't fucking one of them in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we still have lots to say. And I think it's kind of important to talk... If we're going to talk about this movie, we may as well talk about it properly and the things that we... Yeah. grievances and why... It's like a little time capsule. Oh, oh it is. What, what was happening at the time and, yeah, sort of how it all factors into to Tom and his personal journey. Exactly. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, next week, we'll come back with the second part. So please join us then. Uh, to find me online, it's just Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram. Tom Cruise review, no S on the end on Twitter. Uh, something I keep forgetting to tell people is, can you please like subscribe and like and review my podcast uh, on the different platforms if you can? I never tell anyone that and I think maybe I should because every other podcast does that. So please, as for the rest of the podcast, listen next week and we'll catch you next time. Bye.